Hello, everyone, and welcome back to SALT Talks. My name is John Darcy. I'm the managing director of SALT, as well as a partner at SkyBridge Capital. SALT is a, a global thought leadership forum. SkyBridge is a global alternative investment firm. But what our goal is at SALT uh, is to lead conversations with leading investors, creators, and thinkers. And our goal on these SALT Talks is the same as our goal at our SALT conferences, which we're excited to present our next conference in New York, September 12th to the 14th at the Javits Center Expansion. We'll cover topics ranging from digital assets, crypto, blockchain, uh, as well as traditional alternative investments and other disruptive technologies. Uh, but we're very excited today to bring you the latest episode of the SALT Crypto Show uh, with Hendrik Hofstadt. Uh, Hendrik is the director of the Wormhole Foundation, uh, which has a mission of fostering development of the Wormhole Protocol which is a communication bridge between different public blockchains. Uh, Hendrick's also the chairman and the, of the supervisory board of Neodyme AG, which is a small team of security researchers and experts in various technologies and ecosystems. Uh, prior to Wormhole, Hendrick co-founded and served as CEO for Certus One, uh, which is a blockchain infrastructure company, which was acquired by Jump Crypto in 2021. Welcome to the Salt Crypto Show, which is presented by FTX. Hendrick, it's uh, great to have you here. Uh, the way we like to start these conversations is just for the audience to get a little background on who you are, how you grew up, and what led you ultimately into the crypto blockchain space. Absolutely, John. Thanks for having me. Um, my story in, in in blockchain really started um, when I was like I was I had a background in cybersecurity and software engineering, and uh, I was looking around the space. Actually, back in the days, one of my high school teachers introduced me to Ethereum. And was telling me, by the way, like how we could build smart contracts. And I got really, really excited and started looking around, like what could be like the next thing? What could lead to more throughput in the space? Um, what new consensus mechanisms could develop? Or the development of proof of stake was just getting started. And I learned about uh, proof of stake through um, like Tendermint and Cosmos in the time. And I looked at, like, was checking their website. I was super curious about the technology. The paper had just come out. And I saw, we're looking for validators. Like, what the hell is a validator? <laughs> um, then I looked into it, and that's when kind of the fascination really started. Um, because um, I saw that suddenly that, like, coming from security, often security is kind of this, like, add-on that you kind of have to have. But, like, do you really want to invest into it? Is it maybe an afterthought or, in, like, more so than, like, the core idea? But suddenly... With proof of stake, security and of these validators and of this infrastructure was like the key property of, of like designing such a system. And that got me excited. Um I'd back with uh, like back in touch with someone I've met at uh, one of the cybersecurity challenges I participated in, um, Leopold, who then became my co-founder. We spun up Certus One, where we've been building proof of stake validation infrastructure with a very deep focus on technology. What was really important for us was. We didn't just like spin up nodes and do them on some like cloud hosting um, service, but we really dove deep into the chains, meaning we did security research on the L1s themselves. We made code contributions to the L1s themselves and tried to kind of set the standards in the industry and like make everything possible open source. And so we worked early on with Solana, with the Cosmos folks, like kind of did a lot of security research there and worked with the teams to build the most secure infrastructure possible. 
So some people come to the blockchain crypto ecosystem via Bitcoin and a proof of work mindset. And you you came at it more from a proof of stake mindset, obviously uh, working, building a proof of stake validator at Certus One. Yeah. How did you develop that unique perspective on the business? And how do you think it's allowed you to you know build something like Wormhole, uh, given the sort of background you have at Certus One? Absolutely. Um, I think with with building up Certus One, um, for us, it was fascinating that suddenly what we were excited about, which was like putting security first, was actually a key differentiator. We didn't need to have like a big sales team. We could differentiate ourselves by showing we can be the most secure with best understanding of the system itself. So that really got us excited and allowed us to differentiate ourselves. And through that, through that deep understanding of the chains, we had good relationships with the teams. So with Wormhole, in that sense, we've been like in the Solana ecosystem very early and totally called us up on Saturday and was like, as we have something really big coming, which was Serum and Alameda slash FTX getting into the ecosystem. We're like, we don't have assets. Like, you guys know Solana in and out. Um, there haven't been a lot of, like at the time, there weren't a lot of people that had built apps. Um, It was like just after launch of the mainnet. It was like, you guys can build it. <laughs> Will you build it? And we're like, hell yeah. And <laughs> that's when we when we started working on Wormhole. Back in the days, like focused on solely being a token bridge between Ethereum and Solana. But right. as you know, it developed into something way bigger now. Right. And um you know, you have a there's a great video uh, on your website about what you envision as as a multi-chain world, you know, where there's complete cross-chain compatibility to the point where people don't know which blockchain they're operating on and they're truly immersed in, in Web3. Why do you believe that a cross-chain world is so important? Why why don't we just pick one you know, layer one proof of stake chain and, and operate fully on that? Why is it so important to build that cross-chain future that you talk about? Yeah, I think that's something that has really developed in kind of this last cycle and last wave of technological developments where I think before a lot of these systems, particularly those runtimes, like Ethereum forks um, or very similar systems, um, not a lot of um, heterogeneous systems, like everything kind of functioned the same. Now what we're seeing is very heterogeneous L1s, um, different types of runtimes that have different specializations. Some of them are built with privacy in mind and kind of ZK in the core. Others are built for extremely high throughput. Others are built for um, extremely strong censorship resistance. And depending on what type of protocol you're building, um, some of these might be a better fit for your application than others are. It's just like in, in kind of traditional computer science, where like some things run better on a CPU, some things run better on a GPU. Um, you have different kind of platforms. And I think it's the same with with L1s and L2s, where they have different properties that are good for different applications. And in a world where we have this um, like choice for developers, what needs to be solved is like giving them access to the users and the users access to their applications without any high entry barriers. And this is why this cross-chain interoperability problem needs to be solved. And this is why we're working on it, because we allow developers to build truly cross-chain applications while being able to build them on the platform that is best for their product. While the users can like don't have to like worry about where their assets are stored and which platform they're interacting with. Right. What are the keys to building truly effective uh, sort of interoperable systems? Yeah. Um. I mean, there's obviously the backend part of us. It's really having this uh, translating from Certus One, having that deep understanding of all the L1s and their like intricate details. 
um, and abstracting that away for the developers. Um, for a developer, it kind of needs to feel like one platform um, when going cross-chain. Um, we call this X-Apps, um, cross-chain applications. You build for that one platform, and then in order to make it accessible from another chain, um, this is basically a, a pre-built framework where you don't have to do the heavy lifting of understanding all the ecosystems connected. I think this is really the core, is de develop neither developers nor users should have to think about like what truly cross-chain means and what truly cross-chain is, is also being truly cross-chain in the sense of being everywhere in all the chains, on all the chains and connecting all of them. So this is one of the big challenges for us is to connect every single L1, L2 out there and doing it in a way that is um, secure and reliable. So let's dig more into wormhole now. Uh, you know, we, we come at this show trying to educate people both that are deep into crypto and also people that are still learning about the space. Could you just explain to people what wormhole is and what its role is within the crypto ecosystem? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always use that analogy of kind of disconnected cities without roads. Oh, right. Imagine all these different execution layers, Ethereum, you have an Algorand, Solana, Polygon. These are all different chains that have no ways of exchanging goods with each other uh, natively or exchanging information, kind of like cities without roads. Uh, wormhole is that fabric, are the roads between these cities allowing for exchange of goods, flow of information, and therefore a much more effective uh, economy between them to exist. And in practice, what that means is that Wormhole is kind of the, the mailman that allows um, these cities to send messages, to add these, these blockchains to send messages to each other. That is kind of like the internet, uh, because fundamentally, the core layer of the internet is just sending network packets to each other, sending information between different machines. This is what we're doing for the blockchain and execution layer space, enabling this communication and I mean, in, in, in the web, we've seen what this primitive leads to. It leads to the application, the, the development of layers on top and eventually as a high level, uh, high level layer applications that users can use, um, which is pretty much every, everything we do on the internet that is based on this primitive. Right. And you guys aren't the only ones trying to attack this problem of interoperability, no. but, but what differentiates Wormhole from other token bridges um, and how does it ultimately benefit the end user in an optimal way? Absolutely. Um, so one thing is that it differentiates itself, it differentiates itself from token bridges and that it is not just a token bridge. There's a token bridge built on top of this core messaging primitive, but fundamentally it's really just the internet. It's exchange of information. So much more involved use cases can be built, such as cross-chain governance, cross-chain um, oracles. Um, it's one of the applications that's being built or these truly cross-chain applications where this might not even involve the flow of assets. Um, the other thing is, as I said, you kind of need to go everywhere. And in order to go everywhere, uh, at the core of Wormhole is be having a very flexible architecture. It can expand easily to new chains. Um, and um, also looking forward, um, in the core of in the web free premise is the trustlessness, not having to tr not having any trusted intermediaries. The way Wormhole currently works is through um, 19 guardians. These are 19, um, like some of the largest exchanges and proof of stake validators that verify all of these chains and enable this communication between them. They essentially run the Wormhole network, but Wormhole is built in a flexible way that allows to swap out this backend and um, essentially make it 
as trustless as possible up to full trustlessness where you don't need to trust anyone off-chain for this cross-chain communication. Um, this is something we're already pouring a lot of resources into using zero-knowledge technology to essentially eliminating this off-chain component and making it truly direct cross-chain communication. And the idea behind OneWall is really to have this minimal and flexible set of primitives um, and this is what makes Wormhole unique as well in that it isn't super opinionated. It's built to last. Right. Could you explain to people the difference between cross-chain assets and wrapped assets? Yeah. Um, so essentially, and this is the interesting thing, we, we, we've been confronted with that challenge of, okay, we have wrapped assets. Now we have native cross-chain assets as well. Um, what is the actual difference and, and, and what does it mean? Like people have been very confused in the early days. So we've kind of labeled, like introduced the label X asset, a cross-chain asset as being kind of the gold standard there. Um, but the difference is, is that um, imagine a coin that already lives on multiple chains, um, USDC, for example. USDC is natively minted on multiple chains. So if you use the token bridge, that token bridge can't, take over circles and Coinbase's kind of um, authority and print money essentially on any chain. What it can do is take the coins on one chain into custody and issue kind of an IOU on another chain. That is a wrapped asset. Um, this is a like kind of the uh, a situation where cross -chain, building cross-chain assets is hard. Um, and this is not the thing that I think a time mainly tackle but it's new asset issuers building native cross-chain um, assets. And that is um, someone mints a coin, for example, on Solana. Then they pick Portal, which is a token bridge built on top of Wormhole, for example. And Portal essentially allows them to turn their asset into a truly cross-chain asset with just one click. And what that means is that this asset can now freely flow between all connected chains. They don't have to do any manual deploying of their coin on multiple chains, minting of their coin on multiple chains, Wormhole essentially automatically creates a rep, rep or like in that sense, cross-chain version of that asset, um, which is then the canonical version. Um, this means there's no confusion. This is like, that was the case. Um, we, we have a bunch of coins where this is the case. Um, like they're minted on one chain and then the community essentially accepts this X asset as the canonical edition, it can freely flow between all these chains, which is not the case for USDC, for example, at this point, right? If you take USDC from one chain, you can't just move it to the other. Or if it's wrapped and you move from one chain, move it to the other one, and then move it to another one, you might have an IOU of an IOU. With X assets and the X asset framework, we abstract that problem away, solve that for the asset issuers, and they have a fully cross-chain fungible native um, asset. The wormhole supports a variety of different uh, layer ones. You supported yeah. Terra, Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain. I know subsequent to that, uh, you launched new portals for Solana, Algorand, Polygon, Avalanche, Oasis. I don't know. There's more you've built beyond yeah. that. But could you talk us through the process when you're evaluating uh, adding new layer ones? You know, what is that process like? And what are your plans for continuing to onboard additional layer ones? Absolutely. I think at this point, we're at I think roughly 14 different networks with even more in the works. And interesting aspect about Wormhole actually is that given that like kind of mail postal service nature, um, there's an interesting detail that it's more involved for Wormhole to allow sending from a chain than it is for Wormhole to allow receiving on a chain. So pretty much at this day already, um, Wormhole supports pretty much every chain in existence 
for receiving messages, um, but these 14 for sending messages. Um, and obviously, the goal is to allow sending from as many places as possible as receiving only has limited use cases, like receiving Oracle data. Uh, but if you want to move, like you could, you could theoretically move coins in, but not out. So that's obviously not supported. But it's important to allow that sending from chains. So um, obviously, we're trying to work on as many integrations as possible, just from a technological standpoint. Right. But then the governance forum of, of Wormhole, which consists of these 19 guardians, these 19 stakeholders in the system that vote on these chains. And I think there it often comes down to like, what's the future potential of that chain? What's the traction, expected traction of that chain? And um, are there any unique properties that chain has? As we talked about before, um, like we want to enable developers to pick the chain that is best for their application. So we try to add as many heterogeneous chains as possible to really allow these developers to make use of these properties. So this kind of flows into the decision-making there, but eventually it's, it's always down to the, uh, up to the guardians to make that decision and governance to make that decision. The wormholes three pillars are assets, apps, and data. And the data um, piece I think is another fascinating piece where across crypto, one of the problems that we've had is trying to aggregate data across different chains, um, different ecosystems. And you guys are trying to tackle that problem as well in collaboration with uh, the PIF network and things like that. Could you talk about your approach to data and why it's important for the end user as well? Absolutely. I mean, it, data is, is extremely valuable. And, but data in, in isolated silos itself, can't, you can't take full, full value out of it. Um, it's much more valuable if aggregated. And that's, for example, the case with PIF. Uh, PIF obviously has all these high quality data providers publish data into Solana. And from there on, it publishes the data using Wormhole to bring it to other chains. But actually the reverse is, is the case as well, or is being worked on as well in that it's extremely interesting. What is the price on Uniswap? What is the price on uh, any type of different um, decentralized exchange within the ecosystem? So how do I get that data in in a way that doesn't involve any centralized oracles. How can I get it from the chain itself? This is where Wormhole comes in. Wormhole allows you to fetch that data and essentially build this full aggregate um, out of these individual components. And there's so much more to this. Um, data is governance decisions. If like uh, I've just published a proposal on the Uniswap governance forum for Uniswap cross-chain governance and how Wormhole could be used there. The sense that a decision gets made on Ethereum, where the governance is housed, um, and it needs to be propagated to all the different instances of Uniswap throughout the cross-chain world. And this is information as well, and valuable information. And I think through that, we're, we're trying to work on all kinds of different solutions from kind of query information. Like There's different models, right? Right now, sending message means if I want to get information from Ethereum, I need to send a message from there, meaning I have to pay for an expensive transaction to send that information out. So next step is obviously with, with that X data component, with this cross-chain data component is being able to query from another chain, meaning I send a request on a cheap chain, fetch that information from Ethereum. And third, which I'm most excited about is actual subscriptions. Like I want to get an update on Polygon every time the Uniswap price changes or there's a liquidation on Aave. Um, and the Wormhole protocol will automatically observe and then inform this other chain about this event happening. And with that as a primitive, I'm, I'm very excited for a lot of exciting use cases to be built on top. 
So Vitalik, you know, the founder of Ethereum, he's uh, known for expressing his opinion that we'll have a multi-chain world, but not a cross-chain world. What did he get wrong in his analysis of, of why he believes that to be the case? I don't think he got anything wrong, per se. Um, I think he has a different like expectation for how the future or what the future will look like in the sense that pretty much everything anchors into Ethereum and Ethereum is kind of the ground truth. Um, and I think with these different types of consensus models that don't rely on anchoring, um, like, for example, extremely fast consensus mechanisms like Solana, there's a case to be made for chains that don't or can't even due to performance limitations, anchor into Ethereum. And once you make that assumption, it's kind of important, like you need to believe in this kind of cross-chain world. Um, otherwise, Solana will be an isolated ecosystem that won't, will never be able to communicate with, with them. He makes a very, very like, valid point though, in the sense that you need to think about chain rollbacks and all the kind of implications of that. Um, I think, one thing that isn't talked about, though, is that some of the L2s also expect that Ethereum doesn't roll back more than X blocks. Otherwise, you run into all kinds of different issues on them as well. Um, I think like Arbitrum, like they have a specific number of X blocks that if Ethereum rolls back further than that, like you kind of end up in a dispute. Um, at least that's the case with some of the L2s. And I think this is where this model kind of can break. But I think if you assume a world where there's L1 and anchored L2s, um, it's it's a valid point. But like I personally don't believe in that. And I think the team, <laughs> it's why we're working on, on solving this challenge. We believe Absolutely. in it. Um, and we're trying to solve for, for a massively heterogeneous question world. <clears throat> it's also looking at like consortium chains, et cetera, which right. you can technically anchor, but there's always limitations in what you can do. Right. What how is Ethereum, you know, they're going through the merge right now that's expected to be completed around mid-September. Uh, how is the merge going to affect, if at all, wormhole, the protocol, ecosystem? Uh, and what's your general opinion of the merge in terms of whether it's positive, negative, and how it's going to affect the ecosystem? From a wormhole perspective, obviously, it's going to be interesting. As, like, depending on how smoothly it goes, ideally, we won't notice anything. Um, like all the node providers, the guardians will have made the upgrade to the post-merge ready software, which a lot of them have already practiced because they have two validators as well and have been going through the test nets and the, the test merges. Um, but um, I think more broadly, um, it, it, like it, it should work out without any hiccups if, um, because we try to prepare very early on. Like I said, we need to be very, very good about understanding the deep intricacies of all the networks. So following all the developments in networks, timings of upgrades, et cetera, is something that is day-to-day -day business for kind of wormhole team and operators. Um, there's regular updates on other networks as well that are breaking in that sense. So day-to-day -day normal operations. Generally, I'm very excited about the merge. Um, you know, came into the space through POS. So seeing the way, like the movement into something way more energy efficient, um, is exciting to me. Um, looking at how long um, POSnet has been in existence now and the stability it has shown, I think I feel very confident um, about merge readiness as well. And I'm, I'm quite excited because it opens the door for more future developments. And also from a wormhole perspective, POS and um, 
kind of consensus mechanisms with finality guarantees are way, way, way easier to integrate than a proof of work network where like if Ethereum rolls back for too many blocks, that's a problem as Vitalik pointed out correctly for something like wormhole in like how, how would wormhole roll back these cross-chain interactions um, with proof of stake systems and, and consensus mechanisms um, running, running on top of it. Um, usually have a guarantee of finality of a block is never going to roll back, which is much easier to integrate. And also, as I mentioned, going this fully trustless path of using essentially zero-knowledge state proofs of chains, it's much easier to establish with um, proof-of-stake networks. Right. You know, I think the fragmentation of the crypto market contributes to some of the volatility we see when you have exogenous events like a three-arrows liquidation or uh issues that, that have taken place with celsius or other players in mm -hmm. the space and i'm sure it won't be the last time we have those types of events how does wormhole help build a more resilient and ultimately stronger long-term digital asset ecosystem um i hope that is through making it extremely easy to build better and universal cross-chain like decentralized finance applications and and more i've been talking a lot about DeFi. i mean I'm excited about all the non-DeFi development as well, gaming and et cetera. But going back to that kind of financial aspect, um, what we've seen was a failure of centralized, um, yep. <laughs> essentially financial operators and, and, and uh, lending desks, money markets. Uh, so that is a problem. Like some of these lenders probably, probably like some of these borrowers didn't, didn't uh, some of these lenders didn't know about the exposure of the other side. That's something that doesn't happen on chain. Um, this is something that with full transparency, with all the negatives that has in terms of like just privacy of and essentially copy tradability of your portfolio um, is something that would have probably helped um, some of these event to, events to not happen. Uh, so yeah. what I hope for Wormhole is to essentially make it easy to build these and re remove fragmentation in the ecosystem in the sense that um, these the, that doesn't like one ecosystem uh, can kind of tap into the liquidity of another one. Like there's a big liquidation on Ethereum, it should be able to tap into Solana's liquidity. Um, this helps kind of dampen the impact of bigger, um, something exogenous financial um, like events. And we hope that like Wormhole can help like build applications that are resilient and can tap into this global pool, treating Web3 as one pool of liquidity, ideally. Yeah, no, we. We started getting phone calls. I can't remember if it was a Monday or Tuesday night when when all these different lenders started calling each other yeah. and saying, "Hey, have you heard from uh, heard from the guys at Three Arrows? We, we haven't been yeah. able to get them to get back to us." And like you said, there was a complete lack of visibility into uh, all the different loans they had taken out, and, yeah. and none of those were related to DeFi applications. I think it was a huge sort of a, a moment, an aha moment for a lot of people about the power of DeFi. Um, yeah, and and I think you're seeing that reflected in so even some token prices. You know, I think people people are growing more bullish on DeFi as a result of sort of the centralized failures. Um, so what's next on the wormhole roadmap? You know, you guys have continued to innovate and iterate around different versions of, of wormhole uh, and what you're building. What, what are sort of the things on the horizon that you guys are looking to tackle? So short term, obviously, more networks. Um, more developer tooling, making it even easier to build these X applications, um, create X assets with one click, and get access to data across chains. So more developer resources. We've just 
like recently published um, a kind of X app book. We're still working on um, like extending it, making it easy for people to learn how to build these cross-chain applications, um, building better APIs, making it more accessible to people, educating people on the value of cross-chain as well. Like I think a lot of them are still kind of focused on the singular ecosystem. Um, I think there's also an educational aspect of showing the advantages of building for this larger audiences, working closely with wallets in solving the UX problem of, of cross-chain. Um, because as much as it's developers building applications, um, it's almost like maybe more than even as important is the integration with the wallets that then in the end own the user and right. are their portal into the uh, into the web free world. And then there's things that I think are maybe only ever going to be relevant in like two or three years, um, like working on these zero knowledge state proofs, um, removing this um, off-chain trusted component or consortium um, and making one more fully trustless that like already hiring aggressively for in like cryptographers, um, researchers and developers um, for exploring, accelerating, and then building out this ver trustless version of wormhole. Um, and as much as like it might only be relevant then, starting now is important and working together with all the industry partners is, is extremely important on it. So I have to ask this question. I, I rode in on the train this morning to the office listening to the FTX podcast that you did uh, with Kanav and, and uh, Tristan Iver from FTX. I know Tristan has been working on a project called XNFTs with, with Armani. Uh, Ferrante, also part of sort of the Solana uh, ecosystem as well. Uh, and you talked about wallets and about how sort of the infrastructure of Web3 is not yet equipped for this cross-chain, you know, fully interoperable type of world. What, what's innovative about XNFTs and how, are, how excited are you about Backpack and, and what they're building in terms of uh, interoperability of NFTs? I'm, I'm extremely excited about what they're doing because kind of from the moment they started drafting up the project, they thought natively about how to build it for being truly cross-chain and making it like truly cross-chain capable and how to actually not just like build bridge into the UI, build bridging into the UI and making it easier to shuffle assets around, but how to really abstract that away. Um, and I think this can't be an afterthought. This needs to be designed into the wallet from day one. And um, these guys are doing it and I'm extremely excited about it. We're trying to work as closely as we can together with them to uh, kind of make it happen. And yeah, um, cross-chain X-NFTs, of course. Um, <laughs> we, we, we prefix every cross-chain asset with X. Um, that one has the X already. So it would be very sad to see if they weren't <laughs> in cross-chain as well. Absolutely. But yeah, Hendrick, it's, it's, it's been a problem. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure to have you on the Salt Crypto Show presented by FTX. Uh, look forward to seeing you. Hendrick spoke at uh, Crypto Bahamas last April. We look forward to hopefully having him back uh, after additional progress from the Wormhole and Jump teams uh, this following April, again at, uh, at the Bahamar. Thanks, John. Really enjoyed the session. Likewise. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in to today's Salt Talk on the Salt Crypto Show with Hendrik Hofstadt. Uh, of Jump Crypto, formerly the founder of Certus One uh, and the director of the Wormhole Foundation. Just a reminder, if you missed any part of this episode or any of our previous episodes, you can access them all on demand on our website. It's salt.org backslash talks on our YouTube channel, which is called Salt Tube, or on anywhere that you consume podcasts, you can listen to this in audio form. 
Uh, please spread the word about these salt talks. Again, we we're very enthusiastic about the Web3 space and what Hendrick and his team are doing to create uh, sort of a cross-chain interoperable world or what's going to really uh, decrease the friction for onboarding more people into the space. Uh, but on behalf of the entire SALT team, this is John Darcy signing off for today from SALT Talks. We hope to see you back here again soon.